It's Tuesday, the election of our lifetime is one week away and it's time for the Jonesing for News podcast. Coming to you from the stew along Florida's first coast here is your podcast host, Scott Jones. Thank you, Billy. Uh, You are right, one week away from uh, the uh, biggest election of our lifetime. We keep hearing that, but I think this time it is uh, very true. And uh, I am happy to report that uh, I have already cast my um, I cast my vote uh, on uh, Sunday morning at seven o'clock in the morning. I was able to uh, vote uh, here in Florida. They have early voting. Um, it started last Monday, and I have a precinct at the end of my street. I have uh, been driving by, and there's constantly been a line out there. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's not as long. And I kept thinking, oh, God, at some point I'm going to have to go stand in that line to cast my, cast my vote. But um, I uh, then remembered that they have voting from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., uh, seven days a week. So Sunday morning, about 10 minutes to 7, uh, I drove up to the poll was standing first in line and got to walk in and uh, cast my vote. And it was great because when I walked in, uh, there was nobody there. There was, you know, about the 10 poll workers, uh, which uh, the average age, I think, was deceased. Um, But uh, I think the youngest lady in there was probably about 86, and the oldest one, I think, was 136. Uh, I walked in and, uh, and it was kind of funny because there's probably, I don't know, maybe 10 poll workers in there. And of the 10 poll workers, I'd say half were wearing mask and half weren't. Um, and as I walked in, there was one guy, he had a mask on, he had a shield on, he had gloves on. And I said, that's my guy. And, uh, I walked over to him. He was, uh, he was, uh, about a uh, 104, I think. And, uh, and he moved about it at the speed of about a 104-year-old. Uh, kind of funny because in Florida you have to give some ID to vote. And so I handed him my driver's license. Here I am with a mask on and a hat. And he's looking at my license and then he's looking up at me, you know, trying to see if I am the person, you know, there's no voter fraud going on. And the thing I laughed at is he basically could see from like the bottom of my eyes to the top of my eyes. That's all he could see. And he's trying to determine if this is the guy that's on the driver's license. Um, Anyway, he handed me my ballot. I was able to go in. uh, And at 7.09, I walked out. I I walked over to the uh, voting machine where you, or the machine where you feed your ballots in. uh, a nice young spring chicken, about 86 years old, uh, who had a walker with tennis balls. See, if you live in Florida and you have a walker, you got to have tennis balls on the walker. Um, that's a rule. It's a Florida law. Uh, you probably didn't know that, but it's a Florida law. And um, she didn't have a mask on. Uh, and uh, she tried to hand me my little I voted early sticker. And I'm trying to, like, take it from her without I, – I don't even know why I took it. I never – I didn't stick the thing on uh, and wear it around. But um, I was uh, I was definitely worried a little bit about the Rona from the old bitty. Um, but uh, I got out. It was great. Got my I got to cast my vote. And now I'm just waiting uh, for a week when we find out – who am I kidding? We're not going to find out in a week who won. Uh, it may be two weeks, three weeks, could be a month, two months, I don't know. But uh, hopefully at some point in time, very soon, we'll find out 
who won uh, the election and who the next president of the United States is. Um, but uh, right now, I've done my civic duty. My vote is cast. There's nothing much I can do. And uh, message to all you politicians out there, you can quit sending the crap to my mailbox. I'm, I've already voted. Uh, I, I mean, every day you open up the mailbox. When you're in a battleground state, oh, my God. It's, you go out to your mailbox. I mean, first of all, I used to only go to my mailbox, you know, once every five, six days anyway, because who gets mail anymore? Um, but now I have to go because there's so much campaign literature jamming my mailbox that I got to get it cleaned out so I, can, uh, so I can get some real mail if it happens to come. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm getting things that are telling me, I mean, it's just, it's whatever. It's amazing, but you guys can stop now. I voted. I can't do anything about it. I can't change my vote. My vote is cast. Um, so uh, we will see what happens there. So today on the podcast, I want to talk about disappointment. And uh, it doesn't really sound like a happy subject, but uh, uh, I, I do want to talk about disappointment. And two people uh, that work in TV news one at a cable news network and one at a local station and uh, how they both have disappointed me. Not that they probably, either one of them care, but uh, I want to use it as an example of uh, disappointment. Uh, I wrote a story on Monday. Um, well, I wrote a story. I'll get to that in a second. I, I did talk about that... Um, on Monday when I wrote a story, I said that when I was a little kid, uh, my hero was a running back for the Buffalo Bills named uh, O.J. Simpson. Number 32, the Buffalo Bills running back. O.J. was my hero, for lack of a better term, uh, at least North Florida. I grew up in Buffalo, and here I had, uh, I liked people with, uh, my Willie Mays played in San Francisco. Bobby Hall was in Chicago. And, uh, and then, of course, O.J. Simpson was in Buffalo. So I went from coast to coast with my, with my sports heroes. But uh, I never forget years later, sitting at, uh, standing on the sidewalk at 875 South Bundy Drive in Los Angeles, looking at a double murder scene and the blood that had just come down this sidewalk from the two bodies that were laying there. And I, I've never seen... And, you know, I was a photographer for years. I've seen a lot of blood in my lifetime. I never saw as much blood uh, at one place as I did that day at 875 South Bundy, um, where the bodies of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman uh, were laying, and uh, O.J. Simpson was the suspect in a double murder. Um, and we all know how that played out. I'm not going to go into all that, but I do remember being so disappointed that you know, here your childhood idol uh, is suspected in this crime scene that I am standing there looking at. And it showed me then, and I've learned more now, about disappointment, about why you don't put people on pedestals. Because when you put a person on a pedestal, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And... Um, you know, it happens, you, you probably, I mean, you probably had friends that you thought were great friends, 
at some point in time, you know, they just did something that so disappointed you, 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 you were you wrecked you kind of, you felt like, oh my God, you know, I thought this was a great person and, it, and they're not. And um, so, as I said, I kind of found that, you know, by putting people on that higher pedestal and putting them up there with, and giving them so much respect, you're basically setting uh, yourself up for a disappointment. And I've learned over the years not to really do that because uh, it just happens. I mean, it even happens, you know, with friends. And a great example, you work in TV news and you lose your job. Either your contract's not renewed, you get laid off, you get fired, whatever happens. What happens the two weeks after you've been fired? Pretty much everybody in the newsroom has reached out to you. They, they call you. Uh, they text you, how you doing, what happened, are you okay? And you think, oh my God, you know, I got all these friends in the newsroom. And then, you know, three weeks later, four weeks later, a month later, um, nobody's really calling you. And six months later, there's maybe one, maybe two that are still calling you, messaging you or whatever. Those are your friends. Everybody else was an acquaintance. Your friends are the ones that stick with you. Um, and it doesn't mean just in TV news. It could mean in life in general. Uh, you know, get into, get into financial trouble and, and need some help and, and, and see which friends really reach out and which ones, you know, shun away from you. Because again, you make a lot of acquaintances in life. Uh, you have all kinds of acquaintances, but you don't make many friends. And uh, in TV news, it's such a cutthroat business. You really don't make any friends. Um, almost everybody you, you, know, you meet is either an enemy or an acquaintance. Very few of them are friends. And as I said, you find that out. Um, and then the other thing is, let's do the opposite. Say you land a job at a great station in Chicago or you land a job in New York or uh, you know, in a bigger market. What happens? People you haven't heard from in months or even years reach out to you because now they're kind of hoping, oh, you can get them a job uh, in, uh, in this bigger market. Um, so they aren't really friends either. Now they're just using you um, because they think that's uh, what they can do to get ahead. And uh, so disappointment you know, in those people uh, you know, you don't blame them. You really blame yourself. You blame yourself for thinking that this was your good friend or you blame yourself for, you know, putting that person on a pedestal and thinking they were the top of the game. Uh, and um, so you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And it's not, as I said, it's not really their fault as much as it is your fault because you put them there. And going into that, so I want to talk about, you know, two people. And the first one I want to talk about is Fox Business anchor, Fox News anchor, Maria Bartiromo. Um, back when she, you know, she smashed through a number of glass ceilings. I mean, she was the first woman on the floor uh, reporting at the New York Stock Exchange. And what she went through while she was on the floor, I mean, was, you know, a lot of people didn't want her there. And, and she was harassed. I mean, she was harassed verbally. She was harassed sexually. I mean, she had guys grabbing her. Uh, you know, while she's uh, trying to report at the New York Stock Exchange. And she just 
kept it up. She was, she did a, uh, she, she was, became one of the best, uh, you know, business reporters in the business. Not one of the best female business reporters, one of the best business reporters. And uh, she didn't let anything stand in their way. She smashed through, like I said, she, it was like she was going up the ladder, glass ceiling, boom, smashed through it. Another glass ceiling, smashed through it. That's what she did. And now you look at Maria Bartiroma today and you, and you watch her just, you know, give, uh, you know, interview Donald Trump and, and basically fawn over the guy and, and, and don't challenge him on anything and just, you know, be his lapdog. I, I tuned in the other day and she was talking and, and she was basically implying that there was, with, with no evidence, she was implying that there was child porn on Hunter Biden's laptop um, with no evidence of it. She's just applying, uh, you know, implying this. And I thought, my God, I said, here's a woman I, I had all the respect for in the world. And, you know, now she's, she's nothing more than a sellout, a complete sellout for, for Donald Trump and, and uh, his campaign. And it doesn't make a difference if she was with Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Um, just to see somebody that I thought was so good at their job of reporting and watching them sell out like that is sad. And I, and I think what makes it a little bit worse being that she's with Trump is look at Trump's record with women. I mean, he's got, you know, all these, you know, accusations of sexual assault and, and everything, you know, he paid off a porn star, um, that he had sex with, uh, while his wife was sitting home with the new baby. Um, this is, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, and I, and I talked to a few people at Fox News and, and they say the same thing. They're like, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what happened to her, but, you know, and it's sad. It's sad that that's where she has gone because, you know, I held her in high regard. Again, didn't put her on a pedestal and I'm glad I didn't because um, it would have been crushing to see somebody just become such a, you know, a hack, for lack of a better word. And then the other person I want to talk about is on Saturday, I brought up the story of Dale Hansen, uh, the anchor at, uh, he's a sports anchor at the Tegna station, WFAA in Dallas. And Hansen went on the air uh, late last week and joked about uh, the fact that uh, Women are willing to work for less money and are paid less, and that leaves more money for him. And, you know, he basically said, you know, the female co-anchor, uh, the female news director, the general manager, uh, they, are, they work for less money, and that leaves more money for him. And then he laughs. And, I mean, he laughs like he thought his joke was hilarious. The idea that this guy was joking about the gender pay gap um, that exist in TV news and still exist to today, and he found it funny, was sickening. And, uh, and I wrote a story about it on Saturday. And, um, and a number of people read the story. People called him out on social media. And then Sunday rolls around, and Dale Hansen goes back on the air to, you know, to apologize for his joke. And he said, and I'll quote, he says, my joke was not meant against women, it was a joke about how ridiculous 
That's so well, Rory, no, stop. Rory's Rory's chiming in on this one. My joke was not men against women. It was a joke about how ridiculous it is, ridiculous it is that so many women still have to fight for equal pay. Um, that's not what your joke was, Dal. Your joke was that women are willing to take less pay so you can make more money. And um and that's not funny. And the idea that you said it is, is really sad. And the idea that you laughed so hard after you said it is even more so. And the idea that some old white male anchor is saying this would not be that big of a deal, except Dale Hansen was, you know, a guy that um, I had linked to many times on uh, on FTV Live, uh, he started, you know, he, not only does he do the sports, but he does commentaries. And he was doing commentaries in regards to um, social injustice, you know, racism, uh, homophobia. And, and he was saying stuff um, in these commentaries that resonated with me. I mean, there were, there were things that were so true and things that I believe. But Dale was such an accomplished writer, you know, he would do them in such an eloquent, eloquent way, much better than I could ever do. I mean, this guy, uh, you know, just is a great writer and has a great way of words and everything else. And I, so I would use um, these commentaries and, and post them on FTV Live because I just thought, how great are these? Um, and then only to uh, find out that basically this guy's just a chauvinist. Um, and yes, he apologized. Uh, and people make mistakes. People make mistakes every single day. Um, but the apology rang really hollow to me. And uh, I, I, you know, basically you're looking at the two faces of Dale Hansen, um, the chauvinist and the apologist. And you have to decide which one's real. And looking at it, you know, as I look at it, um, the chauvinist seems to be the real Dale Hansen. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe Dale will prove me wrong. But at this point, um, I just thought the apology was really, it was really weak. It was almost more like an excuse to what he said. And then he also said something about, he goes, those that don't think uh, the gender pay is uh, something that's an issue with me just don't know me very well. And but that's the point. I mean, nobody knows you well, Dale. I mean, your friends know you well, but the viewers that watch you on TV don't know you well. So um, that's the Dale Hansen that they saw was the, was the chauvinist, the guy that laughed at women being paid less than men. And, uh, and that's the Dale Hansen I saw. Um, and, it, and it was upsetting. And, you know, gender pays is something that I have watched pretty much most of my life. And, uh, you know, again, I'm a male, so how did I do that? Well, you know, my mom was, uh, you know, back when, when I was a little kid, what do, you, what do you have? You know, basically back then, many women were, you know, as Trump would say, suburban housewives. And... Um, you know, that's what they did. Uh, the, the man went off to work, the wife stayed at home and uh, took care of the kids in the house, and that was it. 
but my mom wanted, you know, she wanted to do more in life. Uh, she uh, graduated at the top of her class at Ohio University, and, um, you know, she wanted, to, she wanted to go out into the working world. And, you know, back then, uh, there weren't a lot of jobs for women out there. You could be, what, a secretary, a nurse, or a school teacher. And uh, my mom picked the, uh, she started off as a school teacher, and uh, she did that for quite a long time, and she liked teaching school, but she, again, she wanted to go further. She wanted to, uh, you know, she wanted to branch out. And uh, at one point in time, uh, she ran for political office, um, which back then there was, you know, a couple women in politics. I mean, there just wasn't women in politics. That wasn't something a woman did. But my mom did it. And, uh, and then she became, you know, the manager of a TV station. And there was no women managers at TV stations. So she had to deal with the crap that um, she had to deal with the crap that, uh, you know, was sent her way, you know, all the time. And there was no like little support groups or anything for women, you know, working in TV news or working in television because she was one of the few that was doing it from a management standpoint. So there was nobody to rely on other than, you know, her own, uh, her own uh, instincts, uh, and and I watched what she dealt with and how she dealt with all of that negativity and uh, and jealousy that was thrown her way. And, you know, she handled it unbelievably. Uh, and, you know, I know it got to her, but she never let on that it got to her. And it was pretty amazing um, how she could just uh, take it over and over again and continue to do her job and do her job very well. And that is really, um, that's the person you put on your pedestal, is your mom, your dad. Those are the people you put on your pedestal. Don't put people uh, on a pedestal that are just going to disappoint you. And, you know, looking at, at Maria Bartiromo and Dale Hansen, they disappointed me, but I didn't put them on a pedestal. But it still sucks that people that you kind of thought got it really don't. And... Uh, that's, uh, I mean, that is kind of the, the podcast for today. Not exactly the uh, bright and cheery podcast, but uh, it was an issue that I wanted to speak out about. It was an issue that I, I um, you know, I wanted to give my, you know, my thoughts and my comments on it. So um, anyway, that's going to wrap it up for me. Hopefully next week we'll have uh, something a, more, a little more fun. But uh, take care. Peace.